What's up, Hoop Ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoop Ball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is going on? It's a Hoop Bowl crossover podcast. The playoffs are almost here. I'm Brandon Marcus. He is Lawrence Brooks, and he is the host of the Hoop Ball Mavs podcast. I am the host of the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Lawrence, my man, first time meeting you. Great to talk to you. I'm excited, obviously, for this first-round matchup between the Clippers and the Mavericks. As we're going to preview the, sh- the matchup on this show. But first, what's up, man? How are you? Man, I'm excellent. We got a lot of bubble basketball going on. Um Mavericks didn't really need a win today, and they pretty much showed it by sitting their guys in the second half. Um, but it's been great. I, I'm looking forward to it. Nice meeting you. I'm glad we finally were able to to link up and let the hoop ball family unite. <laughs> I was going to say to you earlier today when we were connecting about this podcast that you could do the beginning of the podcast and talk about the game if you wanted, and then we could just have the I do a beginning to mine. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. You guys had nothing to play for. Yesterday, obviously, the Clippers won. They beat the Nuggets, locked themselves into that two seed. So the Clippers have nothing to play for tomorrow. So no need to go back and talk about the Nuggets game for uh, for me. No need to talk about the game today for you. No need to talk about our boy Boban and the game that he had today. But let's more focus. Let's look ahead to this first-round matchup. Clippers versus Mavericks, PG and Kawhi versus Luka and KP. I'm pretty hyped for this matchup, man. It it was one of those things where I was trying to figure out which team I wanted to play. And I felt of all the teams that could have been that seven spot, the Clippers had the best chance to sweep Dallas. But at the same time, I'm terrified of what Luka and KP can do in a game. What are your initial thoughts on the matchup and just not the players themselves, but just the matchup itself? Um, I, think the, I, I think the matchup itself definitely favors the Clippers. They just have more firepower. And my thinking is for the Mavericks, okay, if if Porzingis was a guy who could put the ball on the floor a little bit, I would have a lot more confidence in what they can do in close game situations because, as we know in the playoffs, a lot of these games find their, find their way to come down to the last four minutes. Mm-hmm. And in the last four minutes, you got Lou Williams, you got – Paul George, and you got Kawhi Leonard. But for the Mavericks, it's literally Luka or bust when it comes to someone creating for someone else, someone isolating, someone trying to manufacture a basket, whether it's for him or for a teammate. You can't give it to Porzingis to do that. He's very reliant on being able to be a finisher as opposed to an initiator. Mm-hmm. And so that's that that really worries me. And, and the rest of their guys, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., spotty, inconsistent. Seth Curry, spotty, inconsistent. Those guys feel much more comfortable um, being able to catch and shoot 
than they do, you know, in the last four minutes, all the plays break down and you're trying to make something happen because everyone knows your sets. And now it's literally just, I need a basket. Yeah. With Seth Curry, one of those things with him, man, is that he's a guy that I would fear more so in Dallas. If the game was in Dallas with fans, he's Mm -hmm. obviously a great shooter. There's no doubt about that. He's one of the best shooters right now in the NBA. There's no question, but he's more of a guy that I could see getting six to seven threes at home than in this bubble. Still possible, no doubt about that, but I can see him getting maybe three or four if he gets real hot in the game, maybe five. But he could win a game, I feel like, by himself, along with Luka, in a Dallas Mavericks home game. I don't see that happening as much in a series in Orlando. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying there because as it go as the you know, as we all know as basketball fans or as NBA fans, you know, your role players play better at home. But one of the advantages, one of the hidden advantages for Dallas is the fact that this gym with the backdrop is very, very favorable for shooters because it appears to it appears to shooters that the rim is closer. And that's all the Mavericks have. So, yeah, I definitely agree that in a home setting, you get a Seth Curry who could have a podium game. And he literally snuck out a win for his team because a lot of times in these playoff series, an unlikely hero might get a podium game. But I think in the bubble, you can still get one of those type of games from him or Tim Hardaway Jr. Because you can get hot in that building being that it's just such a shooter's gym. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'll be curious to see what it's like in the playoffs and the atmosphere. Before we break down the rest of this series, we're going to break down everything. We're going to go talk about the stars. We're going to talk about the reserves. We'll do all that. Man, you know what we got to talk about, Lawrence? We got to talk about Manscaped. I know you know about the lawnmower 3.0. I know you know about it, man. But boy, it is incredible what they are doing over there, man. Uh, have you gotten yours yet? Yeah, I, I I need to get it. Okay. I have not gotten it yet, but I'm I'm all for it. I was already a manscape advocate before this all came down. So, yes. So so I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think. For one, it keeps you clean. Yep. For two, it's definitely um, a benefit in the ladies' department. Yep. So how can you how can you go wrong that you get a two for one deal? You you stay cleaner and you're more attractive for the ladies. It's true. I'm, all for, I'm fall for both. You nailed it, man. You nailed it, man. <laughs> they, they and what's amazing about it is that you don't need to keep charging it every two seconds. You know that battery it lasts up to ninety minutes. You can take oh. it into the shower with you. So you don't need to worry oh, about getting yeah. shit, you know, I, I, I stop myself from cursing. You you, st- you don't want to get stuff nasty all <laughs> over the place. You just got to, you can bring in the shower and then you're good, man. You're, you're good. You don't have to worry about anything else. And it's just amazing what they do. Their third generation trimmer features this cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accents. Because I've, I've had it before, man. I've had an accident. It sucks. And yeah. so you want a yeah, product. You want no, you don't want it. You want a product that's going to take care of you, take care of your bits. And Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology will do just that. So please go over to manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free sh- free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20. That is the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code hoopball 20 20. All right, let's talk basketball. Clippers, Mavs. I want to talk about first the guys that are going to be huge to this series. I mean, we're talking about PG, talk about Kawhi. 
and talk about Luca and KP. Let's start on the Clippers side. You have Kawhi Leonard. First of all, we need to discuss the fact that the Clippers won all three games earlier this season. And they got 54 points, I believe it was, from the pair in the first game. 53 combined, I believe, in the third game. There was no PG in the second game. And that was, I believe, the closest game. It was 110-107 was the final score. So the Clippers Mm -hmm. got the better of the Mavs. But uh, let's focus first on the PG and Kawhi. And two guys that have just been incredible so far in the bubble. PG has been electric from three. Kawhi showed burst yesterday during that game that we have not seen yet from him during the bubble that shows he's healthy. He got a steal, and he was going 90 miles per hour to the hoop, not afraid at all of turning on the Jets. For me, it's two of the best 10 players in the NBA and two guys I think are going to cause some major problems for the Mavs because of their ability to not only hit the three ball, but their ability to drive and just create shots for themselves. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think, and on top of all that, you just said um, for, for guys who've been on fire and for guys who look like they've found a rhythm, they've also found the perfect team to continue that rhythm because the Mavericks are not stopping anybody right now. I mean, if you just look at the game against Portland, it just looked like a breakdown of communication, um, a breakdown in intention in terms of what they wanted to do time and time again on pick and roll sets, time and time again in the open court where they just got mismatched and guys just aren't able to stay in front of others. So um, so I'm really concerned with Dallas's ability to defend. And they have such a uh, they have such a, you know, dynamic offense in terms of they can hit you in spurts, even if they're down by double digits. But can they get a stop when it really counts? And I think that's where they're going to run into a little trouble, which, again, um, you're playing against, like you said, two of the top ten players in the league, and those are not the guys you want to see um, with a team that's struggling to get stops. Let me ask you this, speaking of trying to get stops. If you were the Mavs, who are you putting on Kawhi and PG to try and stop them? You're not going to be able to stop them, frankly. Who's going to try and slow them down? So I teased this a little bit with the uh, with the Hoop Ball Mavs podcast, but um, but I think you have to try Dorian Finney-Smith on on one of those guys, and then you're gonna have Tim Hardaway Jr. on the other. And I mean, it was interesting to see today. They I thought they would start Dorian Finney-Smith on Devin Booker, but they actually started Tim Hardaway Jr. on him. Wasn't as successful. I don't know if anybody will be successful against Devin Booker, especially with the way he's been playing in the in the bubble. But as it pertains to the Clippers, I think one of the two are still going to have an advantageous matchup. But um, Dorian Finney-Smith is who I'd probably start on Kawhi and then let um, let Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, try to bother uh, Paul George as much as he can. But it's still a tall task. Do you envision Luka on either of those two guys, knowing that the Clippers have a smaller point guard in Pat Beverly or Reggie Jackson or a Lou Williams? Um, I think they could, I think they might, they might try that, but I know with Luca's offensive responsibility, they might try to put him on uh, Pat Beverly to, to, you know, keep some of his energy for the offensive end. But, you know, throughout the series, I'm sure they'll tinker with a few different coverages, a few different assignments that, um, that they'll try to use to try to, you know, slow down that, that offense a little bit. But I don't, I mean, I would be I would be surprised if if Luca started out on one of those top scores, but 
again, we'll see how Carlisle plays it. But if I were the if I were the coaching staff, I'm gonna try to save him for offense because that's our best opportunity to win anyway. So let him guard Patrick Beverly. The Mavs, let's go over to their side, KP and Luca. Luca is a guy that was tremendous in the series against the Clippers. I think he was averaging something around. I had these written down, by the way. For those of you that want a little peek behind the curtain, I had my phone and I had all these numbers on my phone. But then five minutes into our podcast, I had a power outage. So you're not going to notice it because right now we're about 12 minutes in. But about the five-minute mark, we had a power outage. And so I went to plug my phone in just in case that happens again. But I believe the numbers were something around 27, 7, and 7 or something like that um, mm-hmm. in the three games. But he only shot about 43% against the Clippers. So mm-hmm. for Luka, PG, Kawhi, Pat Bev, those guys do cause some problems for him. What do you yeah. anticipate Dallas trying to do to ensure that he's able to get open shots and get to the hoop because the Clippers obviously have very good rim protectors, especially in zoo when he's on the floor. And then Trez is no slouch as well. Um, I think, I think initially, I don't think Luca will have a lot of problems getting to the basket because as great of a defender, those both of those guys are, he's still shown that he can get his shot off against both of them throughout the series. It wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily an, um, a thing of where Luca would struggle necessarily. Now his percentage is probably lower than you know what he would like it to be against those guys, but ultimately he didn't have as much trouble scoring on those guys. Um, so what I think that they'll try to do is keep the floor spread and give him opportunities to get downhill to the basket. One of the things that I was concerned with is if they if they blitz the screen and try to force the ball out of Luca's hands. But he's in the bubble. He's been doing a lot more inviting the blitz. And so maybe maybe this is, you know, for some, you know, there's been talk around the bubble that for this, you know, the stoppage and then coming back into the bubble. This has kind of been like a a mock second year for some of the guys that have come back. So you've seen some progression. So maybe you see some progression from Luca because they tried to rough him up a little bit in the series throughout the year and where he maybe he takes maybe he takes more advantage of what he sees in their coverages. So. Um, he should be okay. I don't think he'll have a lot of problems with those guys um, trying to make things happen, but they'll make it tougher on him for sure. I'll be interested to see if the Clippers try and take the ball out of his hands early on in the series because you'll see adjustments, obviously, as the series goes on. I'll be curious to see what happens in Game 1 and Game 2 if the Clippers have a focus of trying to get the ball out of his hands and making everybody else beat him or if they just kind of want to see how things go in game one, because I don't trust the supporting cast. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the one thing that will be interesting, Lawrence, is the Clippers do have a tendency of switching a lot, and they have no problem switching because they have Marcus Morris, they have Kawhi, they have PG, all guys that can defend different positions. But the one thing that concerns me is Porzingis setting up a high screen, at the top of the key for Luca, and then Zoo dropping and then allowing either some space for Luca or KP stepping out to hit a three. And I think that's one thing that I think Dallas is going to need is Porzingis's three-point shooting in order to have a chance. 100% correct. I, I, I think that's going to be a, a major key. And, and 
Porzingis looked like he's finally back. I think throughout the year he was trying to get his feet up under him. I think the injury really took him, you know, a little bit to to get going. But this stoppage allowed him to get fully acclimated, get his body back. And he looks a lot more mobile. He looks a lot more confident in everything that he's doing out there. So, um, so yeah, his three-point shooting will be big. It'll be interesting to see how much they play Zubak if, in fact, Porzingis gets it going early. And if they decide to go smaller to be able to deal with Porzingis' versatility, but I 100% agree, his ability to shoot the three ball, which has been great in the bubble, if that continues, that could be problematic for the Clippers. Yeah, he scored 30 or more three times already in the bubble, so it's impressive numbers, obviously, for Porzingis, and he's got it. He's very capable of doing it. I mean, he was a monster with the Knicks, and this is a guy that very easily could show up and get 30 and 10 with three blocks in a game. Like he has that ability and you wonder like you said how long they stick with zoo in that type of situation or maybe they try and go with a jamichael green or they bring in trez maybe a little bit earlier than they would like that'll be one thing to to monitor um is what they do to counter counter against porzingis because luca like you said he'll get his he'll find a way i mean he's got the vision obviously to find others but he has the ability to get to the rack at will, but it really, for me, the X factor is going to be Porzingis because if Porzingis doesn't step up and he has, let's say, a 3-for-12 game, I don't see Dallas coming anywhere close to the Clippers in that type of game. I think Porzingis is going to need to be a monster. Would you agree? I 100% agree. I I think that um, everything that he's been prior to the playoffs, he's going to need to be that plus some in the playoffs. He's been a 30-10 and guy since they've hit the bubble. He's gonna. They're gonna need every bit of that because, for one, offense is the only way they have a chance to win the series or make it or keep it competitive. And if they if they're gonna if they're gonna get this team to a, a fifth game, sixth game, potential seventh game, then Porzingis is gonna need to be clicking on all cylinders because um, they're gonna get a lot of issues on the defensive end, and I don't even think they can hold up on that end. So their their defense is kind of their offense. The Dallas Mavericks offense, reading a lot about how good this offense is this year, I believe it's one of the better offenses that we've seen in the NBA in quite some time. What is it about this offense that's so good for the people that are listening, obviously for the Clippers side, are not watching the Mavs as much, and even for the Hoopball Mavericks fans that are watching and just wondering how this is happening? Um, Well, first and foremost, they have an all-world point guard in Luka Doncic. We'll yeah. start there. <laughs> they have a, you know, by by the time we get the rolling in the next season, people will probably be considering him a top eight player. Yeah. Um, so when you have a guy like that on your roster, especially as a as a um, primary ball handler, it is going to cause a lot of problems. It's a lot different than a guy who's dependent on on people setting him up. Yeah. When you're doing the table setting. That's a that's a, a big plus for a team like that. And he's a bigger guard. So first and foremost, they have Luca, who is a handful. Um, but in addition to that, what they've done is they've done a good job of spreading teams out. So Dallas has a lot of shooters on the floor at all times, which one gives them shooting ability in a league right now that is very much predicated on pace and space. And you're trying to knock down threes at a high clip or just having skilled shooters on the floor to keep the floor spread for guys who can get to the basket. Dallas has found a way to put that type of roster together for Luka this year that has guys that can do it. 
You have Seth Curry, who was a top five shooter in the NBA. I think he's second in the league in three point percentage. You have Tim Hardaway Jr., who it looked like a lot of his points were empty calories in New York. And it looks like he was just, you know, a guy who's just scoring just to be out there doing, you know, just just to be doing it. But these are meaningful points he's providing for the for the Mavs on a team that is going somewhere. So he's another guy that you have to respect because he can get hot. Obviously, they have Porzingis, who's a great three-point shooter. Yeah. And then you have Dorian Finney-Smith, who coming into this year, that was a that was a big question mark is his limitations from the perimeter. And now that he's proven that he can be a, a reliable three-point shooter, a guy that you have to respect, now you have five people on the court that can make a shot. And you have four people on the court when you're, when you're set up defensively. Um, you have to make sure you can locate shooters at all times. And with Luca's ability to get to the basket, literally any possession he wants to, it just makes them extremely tough to defend. And like I said, even when they're down by double digits, they continue to come at you because they can just send guys at you in waves that can make shots. And eventually, just by the just by human nature, you're going to have breakdowns on defense. You're not going to want to continue to run out the shooters. You're going to have miscommunication. So that's the pop, That's the issue that. Um, Dallas's offense poses to an opponent de- uh, opposing defense. And the Clippers have a great offense. Everyone knows that with Kawhi and PG and Trez and Lou and so on and so on. But this is a team that also top five in defensive efficiency as well. So it'll be interesting to see if the Clippers try and slow Dallas down or if they're okay going back and forth in a track meet with Dallas. That's one thing that will definitely be important to watch. Is this is this going to be a game that's going to be in the 120s, 130s? Or is this going to be in the 100s, low 110s? I think that'll be interesting to see what the Clippers decide to do on that side of things. Because I think the Clippers will be able to kind of dictate the tempo. Obviously, Dallas is going to want to run and get their points and get their three-point shooters. But the one thing that really does hurt Dallas is that the Clippers are known for their perimeter defense. I mean, when you have Pat Beverly, PG, and Kawhi, those three guys in the perimeter, they're going to cause major problems for an opponent. And that's why I said at the start of this podcast that if there was one team I thought the Clippers could sweep, it probably would be Dallas because a team that is reliant on three-point shooting, a team that is very focused on one player in Luka Doncic and that has not performed well from the field against the Clippers, shooting 43% and I think about 27% from three, so that in that regard, that's where I see the Clippers kind of having the edge is that they'll be able to kind of dictate the tempo. But I can see the Clippers laying their guard down in a game and Dallas running back and forth and getting some open threes. I, I'd just be curious to see how long it lasts in a game. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a very good point. Um, I think one of the one of the keys for the Clippers is they probably want to force. Luca into inefficient games mm-hmm. because if he gets going and he's having one of those nights where he starts out the game and he has nine points and he's three for four from the field and he's got to the free throw line a time or two now he's kind of in a rhythm I think they want to keep him on the perimeter shooting those step back threes which he shot a low percentage of those this year and if they can force him into more of those than him getting downhill and causing issues in the paint because that's where he can really you know, put pressure on the defense to cause petty fouls on all three of those guys. Um, We know Patrick Beverly with how, you know, how aggressive he is. But if you can get him into foul trouble, that's one less pesky guy to to worry about. And I think one of the advantages there is with his with the the aggressive nature he plays with. He doesn't have the luxury of having the wingspan that 
that a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard has. So when you get to those money spots on the court under the basket or at the free throw line, if he's crowding a guy, he can't just get a hand up and that be enough. He's got to kind of put his chest in the guys. He's got to use a few different tactics that the ref sees and it gets him in foul trouble. So I think that's going to be a, a big factor for Dallas is let's try to get one of these guys, you know, let's X one of them out. Because over the over the course of a game, they're just going to wear on Luka. I mean, he has so much offensive responsibility. You throwing those three guys at him all game, that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, foul trouble is going to be important. It, it really is. I think you make a really good point there. And the Clippers have had a couple games where they've gotten into foul trouble, and it's ended up hurting them. And you need guys like Kawhi and PG and Pat Bev, those three guys. And everyone might be wondering, why do you keep bringing up Pat Beverly? I talked about this with Joey Lynn on Sunday. We really think that Pat Beverly is the third most important player on this Clippers roster, not only defensively what he brings, but also offensively. This is a guy that has been tremendous from three-point range in the last several ball games. So he's a guy that can provide you with that three ball and also just helps move the ball on offense. So he's important for sure. And this does have a potential, man, of being – a complete shootout with all these te- with these two teams that just shoot a lot of threes. The Clippers had a game against the Pelicans where they couldn't miss. They hit over 20 threes, and they hit a Clippers record for number of threes made. So that'll be fun to watch if we get this offensive explosion, or like I said earlier, if the Clippers maybe try and slow it down. Yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll continue to push the pace. I think that Dallas will definitely if. if you know, if it turns into a track meet, that favors them at least sneaking out a couple of wins. But what I can foresee happening is, yes, it's a shootout. Yes, we get late in the fourth quarter and it's, you know, 119 to 122 or whatever. Yeah. But but now the Clippers are up three and Dallas needs a basket. But they got no one. Yeah, they got no they they know it's Luka or nothing. Or, you know, they're trying to go to Porzingis, but he's he has limitations putting the ball on the ground, and now there's issues. So it'll be it'll it'll be good to see. I think we definitely get a couple of track meet games out of this series just by the nature of it being in the bubble. There's an NCAA element to these games, and I think that these guys are just enticed to shoot the ball, you know, at a higher clip because, the as I mentioned earlier, the rim just appears so much closer. There's no fans. It just has that AAU environment that kind of just speeds up offense and it breeds offense just being in that being in that um, environment. So I think we definitely get a couple of track meet games, but I could still see it favoring uh, the Clippers if it's close and one of the other two teams, one of the two teams need to stop. Yeah. By the way, for everybody listening, if you don't know already, game one is going to be at six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern. On Monday, and then the same, I believe, will be for Tuesday. I mean, for Wednesday and Friday. So the Clippers and Mavs will go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Um, And if it matters to you, and if this sort of thing has any sort of implication, the Clippers are going to end up playing tomorrow. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday night. So the Clippers have a couple days rest, and the Dallas Mavericks have one extra day rest. So we'll see if that even matters. Um, But before we get to the reserves we got to talk about my bookie, man. Sports are back. We were waiting for sports to come back. Obviously, COVID-19 put a damper on things initially, but then Bundesliga came back, the Premier League came back, and then slowly but surely, the MLB came back, NBA is back, 
NBA's yeah. in the bubble. It's so many different chances now to win some money, man. My bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams at the start of the NBA bubble season. That is come and gone. We are here for the playoffs. There's never a better time to start playing. My bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. I mean, Lawrence, is, is there a team that maybe you like in uh, baseball that maybe you can throw a little wager on? Because I know if you sign up, by the way, my bookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. So, you know, we could talk a little baseball here. I don't know if you're a baseball guy. But any baseball teams that you like? Um, I'm a Dodger fan. Okay. Um, and and mainly because of my my late great grandfather, he was always he was a Dodger fan when they were the Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay. And so I'm just carrying on his spirit with the team. Um, I know that I know that they're one of the heavy favorites for this year going to the World Series. So maybe I'm not stepping out on too much of a limb betting on uh, betting on them. But they also have had their shortcomings in the playoffs. We're not even going to mention what happened last year because that's just an abomination to say the least. But um, that's who my money would be on because I'm just I would just follow my heart in this situation. And you can go and place a bet on the Dodgers to win the World Series. You can do any bet you want any night you want to bet on the Dodgers. You can go ahead and bet on the Dodgers and also NBA. You know what you can do? They got prop bets over at my bookie. Dan Bespris, one of the main men over at Hoopball. He was doing some in-game bets. The lines were up. They were changing. So he was doing that, betting in-game. He was betting player prop for points. You can do all that stuff with the NBA. Of course, all other sports as well. Champions League is still going for soccer. Premier League will be starting in about a month. They don't have much of a break at all. So go ahead. Go to my bookie. Match your deposit 100%. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. That's the promo code HOOPBALL. And they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future bet. Remember, my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, and they pay. All right, let's get to the benches because I think that's where the Clippers have a huge advantage over the Mavs. And frankly, we'll have a huge advantage over most teams in these playoffs when you could bring Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Reggie Jackson, Jamichael Green, Landry Shamit, when you can bring all those guys off the bench, I think that's going to cause problems for Dallas. And I think this is going to be a very big theme throughout the playoffs, Lawrence, that mm-hmm. we know that the starters will play about 36 to 39 minutes in the playoffs. But those eight or nine minutes when the starters are off the floor, it's going to be really important that your bench performs. And I just have a lot more trust in the Clippers bench than the Mavericks bench. Yeah, I agree. They have they, they I mean, first of all, you start with Lou Will and, and Montrez, the top scoring bench duo in the league. Um, then you got, you know, Montrez leading the league in double doubles off the bench. I mean, there's there's just there's you can't say enough about that type of productivity coming into the game as backups. Um, the Mavericks don't have anything close to that. <laughs> they got some. They got some role playing guys that come in and play hard and, and you know and, and fill a role, but nothing to that extent. So as I've been mentioning, they will need a few guys to step up and maybe play a little bit out of their minds. Um, they had they got Trey Burke, who they signed right before the um, lockdown, 
And he was a, a, a clutch signing. I mean, they lost Jalen Brunson, who's more of a cerebral point guard and a guy who's more of a facilitator. But Trey Burke can fill it up. I mean, he can come in. He can be a guy who can hit three to four threes in a game and completely kind of change the complexion of, you know, how your team has been doing up until the starters came out. Um, you got Maxi Kleba, who's a um, close to 40 percent three point shooter, a guy who can knock down shots. He's also going to defend a little bit um, on the opposing end. And you're going to put him on guys who who are actually more offensive uh, oriented, who are a little more aggressive. So those are probably their their two key pieces. Um, it it seems as if Rick Carlisle changes up his lineups depending on the personnel. So I know sometimes they can start Maxi, and then sometimes they can start Seth. So I don't know which way he's going to lean in this series. If it goes as it's been trending, um, they'll probably leave Maxi coming off the bench. But they don't. The rotation is going to be very small. They don't have a lot of guys that they really trust. I think Bobin, uh, Bobin will come in. He will play spot duty. But I think that will largely depend on the personnel that the Clippers are throwing out there. But I think he should play at least a few minutes. One guy I'm interested in though is is Michael Kidd Gilchrist. He slowly started to get more minutes since, you know, as they're winding down, getting ready for the playoffs. But again, as I've been talking about our entire time is they need guys who can play some defense. And if you can bring him in in spells of three to four minutes um, to give some of these guys some rest just to be a pest on defense. He has defensive capabilities that some of the other guys on the roster just frankly do not have. And so it'll be interesting to see if he gets a few minutes here and there as well. But. They got about three guys coming off the bench, and then the rest are are, are dice rolls. So they're gonna need some uh, they're gonna need some people to be on their A game for sure. And Kid Gilchrist does have a little bit of playoff experience as well when he was with Charlotte. So yep. that that does help. Um, but yeah, you bring up those names. I mean, no one really scares you when you uh, you mention a guy like Trey Burke. I think Boban more is more of a guy that you want to bring in that will try and change a game. The Clippers did that several times with him when they had him, when they were down 15 to 20, and they thought that maybe they can get the energy of Bobby and hope that he can get some rebounds, some blocks, um, some putbacks, and that would help out. But I, I don't know if the Clippers are going to be a team that is really scared of Boban because they have guys that will cause problems. Doc knows his weaknesses since there were several times when he didn't play for certain reasons, but... I love him, and he really is a guy that can change a game. But again, that goes back to what I said earlier. He's more of a guy that you want the crowd behind him, and he's more mm. of an energy guy that will provide a spark to the team, and you don't get that as much in Orlando. So that definitely does hurt the Mavericks a little bit, no doubt about that. What else sticks out to you in this matchup between these two teams? Because we know the Clippers have the bench edge. We know that PG and Kawhi, are going to be there for the Clippers and they'll produce and same with KP and same with Luca. Anything else stick out to you with this series? Um, I think one of the, I think one of the things I'm interested to see is can Seth Curry kind of be the Mavericks version of Lou will. Mm -hmm. I think if they can get him going and cause some issues, I think it really gives them an opportunity to uh, pull off a win. Um, I think that I think, like I say, overall, I think the Mavericks have to be clicking on all cylinders to uh, to win this series. I mean, it's very obvious. It's a two seed against a seven seed with a superior roster versus an up and coming roster with a couple of studs. 
who are trying to find their way in a postseason matchup. But if Seth Curry can kind of regain his early season form, and I mean, he, he hasn't played terrible since he's been in the bubble. He just hasn't quite had that big Seth Curry type game. I mean, he was he was scoring in the in the 20s on a regular like the last eight games before the bubble. I mean, before the shutdown. And so if they can get him going or if he can find his groove, I think it gives them an entire different look um, going into this playoff series. So that that would be my one surprise or one kind of nugget that I'm just looking for to see if, if he can get going, because if he can, they're definitely going to um, give the Clippers all they can handle. I'll be curious to see on the Clippers side how many minutes Trez gets, because I believe he is out for tomorrow's game. So he is still quarantining, which means that his first game will be that playoff game. And I do not anticipate his fitness being up to where it needs to be. So I don't think he plays a large amount of minutes. And so that means that we may see Zoo for 20 to 24 minutes and we may see more of Jermichael Green. And he has been absolutely fantastic in the bubble for the Clippers. He is hitting a ton of threes. Patrick Patterson, by the way, has been filling in um, in the rotation, done a really nice job as well. But I'll be watching Jermichael Green to see what he does for the Clippers off the bench because he'll be important. And we saw during the series against the Warriors last year that when the Clippers go small, they're not afraid to put Green at the five and spread the floor and get some offense from him. So that, that's what I'll be watching. Um, I think we covered most of it, yeah? Any, anything else you want to touch on? Um, no, I think I think that's about it. I think you brought up a really good point about Montrez because yeah. everyone else has had the opportunity to – I mean, even Zion to a lesser degree, when he finally got back to the bubble, there, it took him a few games to kind of get his feet, and it was mm-hmm. kind of like his version of training camp, so to speak, coming back in. So for, for Trez – this is almost like his training camp all over again because he had any basketball since he's left. And so that will be interesting to see how many minutes he can actually play because there's a fine line between like wanting to keep him out there for competitive reasons, but also wanting to make sure that he's healthy for the long run. Um, so I, 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 that's a very intriguing one. I, I actually, uh, I'll actually be looking at that too myself. I'm going to go with Clippers in five. Uh, I think that they lose one game um, probably in like game two or game three is my guess. But I'm going to go Clippers in five. What are you going with? Uh, Mavs Nation, I, I want to say I want to say Clippers in six, but it might be a gentleman's sweep. My, I, I think I might have to go five, too. I'm trying to talk myself into some scenarios, but you've hit on a lot of great points. And the bench scoring, I mean – We'll see what happens with Trez, but we're already talking about Dallas's Dallas's defense being questionable at best. Then you start to get into the the bench matchups, and it doesn't get any better. And so, when are they getting stops? And you know, the Clippers should have a lot of opportunity to to capitalize. So, imagination. I I got Clippers in five, but they'll be back. They'll be better. <laughs> hey, it'll be good to get that experience for Luca. And for KP, no doubt, no doubt about that. If you can rate and review these podcasts, it's the Hoopball Mavericks podcast and the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Go ahead, give us a five-star rating, leave a review as well. It does help both of these podcasts as we try and grow more and more by the day. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus Lawrence, where are you at? You can catch me at LB Said It. That's L-B-S-A-I-D-I-T. There you go. So that's Lawrence Brooks. I'm Brandon Marcus. 
Big thank you for listening. Enjoy the playoff matchup between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. I'm Brandon. He's Lawrence. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.